Dear Heavenly Father, we come before you, throne of grace, and Father, we ask that you please bless your word to our hearts. Please help us to retain every bit of wisdom that we can from this Torah portion. We're thankful for the assembling together of each and every one that's here, Father, and we ask that you please open our ears and our hearts and our minds to your understanding, Father. Please continue to teach us your ways and guide us on that straight and narrow path, Father. We're thankful for this day of rest. We're thankful for every day that you give us, Father. And we ask that you please continue to help us increasing in the knowledge and wisdom and the truth of your word. Father, we're thankful for your son. And we're thankful that you gave us such an amazing example as a high priest and king. We're thankful for this, Father. We love you. We ask all these things. In the mighty name of Yeshua HaMashiach. Amen. Amen. Now, we're going to start in Genesis 23. <laughs> I'll restart. All right. And Sarah lived 127 years, the years of the life of Sarah. And Sarah died in Kiriath Arba, that is Hebron, in the land of Canaan. And Abraham came to mourn for Sarah and to weep for her. Then Abraham rose up from beside his dead and spoke to the sons of Heth, saying, I am a sojourner and a settler among you. Give me property for a burial site among you, so that, I, so that I bury my dead from my presence. And the sons of Heth answered Abraham, saying to him, Hear us, my master, you are a prince of Elohim among us. Bury your dead in the choicest of your burial of our burial sites. None of us withholds from you his burial site from burying your dead. So Abraham rose and bowed himself to the people of the land, the sons of Heth. And he spoke to, with them, saying, If it is your desire that I bury my dead from, your, from my presence, hear me and approach Ephron, son of Sohar, for me. And let me have the cave of Machpelah, which he has, which is at the end of, the, of his field. Let him give it to me for the complete amount of silver as property for a burial site among you. And Ephron dwelt among the sons of Heth. And Ephron the Hittite answered Abraham in the hearing of the sons of Heth, all who entered at the gate of this city, of his city, saying, No, my master, listen to me. I shall give you the field and the cave that is in it. I shall give it to you in the presence of the sons of my people. I shall give it to you. Bury your dead. And Abraham bowed himself down before the people of the land. And he spoke to Ephron, saying, or in the hearing of the people of the land, saying, if only you would hear me, I shall give you the amount of silver for the field. Take it from me, and let me bury my dead there. And Ephron answered Abraham, saying to him, My master, listen to me. The land is worth four hundred shekels of silver. What is that between you and me? So bury your dead. And Abraham listened to Ephron, and Abraham weighed out the silver for Ephron, which he had named in the hearing of the sons of Heth. Four hundred shekels of silver currency of the merchants. Thus the field of Ephron, which was in Machpelah, which was before Mamre, the field and the cave which was in it, and all the trees that were in the field, which were within all the surrounding borders, were deeded to Abraham as a possession in the presence of the sons of Heth before all who went in at the gate of his city. And after this, Abraham buried Sarah, his wife, in the cave of the field at Machpelah before Mamre, that is Hebron, in the land of Canaan. Thus the field and the cave that is in, the, in it were deeded to Abraham by the sons of Heth as property for a burial site. 
questions or comments? They were still in the land. Even though it says Canaan, land of Canaan. I like how he was so persistent. Huh? <laughs> I like how he was, he, he was very smart with that. He was very persistent. And then it got to the point where he's like, you know, no, dude, it's worth 400 shekels of silver. And Abraham's like, got it, 400 shekels of silver. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He's like, that. he's like, that's all I needed you to say. <laughs> In Hebrews 11, 9. Uh, at 11, I'm sorry, 11, 8, and 9, it's by faith, Abraham, when he was called to go out into the place which he should re should after receive for an inheritance, obeyed, and he went out, not knowing whether he went. By faith, he sojourned in the land of promise as, a strange, as in a strange country, dwelling in ta tabernacles with Isaac and Jacob, the heirs with him of the promise. Even though he was in the land of Canaan. Yeah. So how is that? Like, how is it that he's in the land of Canaan, but that's the land, you know, it's the land of promise? He was looking for city whose builder is, yeah, for he was looking for the city having foundations, whose builder and maker is Elohim. Uh-huh. That's what the kingdom's going to set down at. Mm -hmm. mm. Which this goes back to uh, Jubilees, if I'm not mistaken. Which chapter? Um, when it talks about, yeah, I'm trying to pull it up. <laughs> When it talks about why uh, the Canaanites were basically destroyed because they didn't listen, they made a covenant of yeah. each one's not going to take his brother's uh, land, and Canaan took Shem's land. Yep. All right. And the covenant deal was if you don't obey this charge, you're going to die. <laughs> yeah. And that's why the Canaanites, the Jebusites, Perizzites, uh, the Hittites, every, every one of them that were dwelling in the land of Canaan, which is actually the land of Shem, that's why they were destroyed. Because it was part of the promise. And that's why when you go back to things like Deuteronomy 20, when it talks about the other nations, it says you come to them and you make a proposal of peace, but if they go to war with you, then I, I will surely deliver you from their hands. That's the father speaking. But then it goes on to say, except for the, the Canaanites, the Jebusites, Perizzites, Hittites, all them, you destroy them. Everything that they have, cattle, male, female alike, you utterly destroy them. Because that was part of, that was the deal. If you did not listen to me <laughs> and, and, and stay in your own place, and they didn't. They dwelled in the land that was not theirs. Yep. 
too. It also says in um, uh, Zechariah 14, it says um, 1420 and 21, it says, In that day there shall be upon the bells of the horses holiness unto the Lord, and the pots of the Lord's house shall be like the bowls before the altar. Yet every pot in Jerusalem and in Judah shall be holiness unto the Lord of hosts, and they shall they, and all they that sacrifice shall come and take of them, and see therein. In that day there shall be no more Canaanite in the house of the Lord of hosts. So that's after he comes back. And Abraham was old, advanced in his years, and Yahweh had blessed Abraham in every way. And Abraham said to the oldest servant of his house, who ruled over all that he had, Please put your hand under my thigh, so that I make you swear by Elohim, the Elohim of the heavens and the Elohim of the earth, that you do not take a wife for my son from the daughters of the Canaanites, among whom I dwell, but to go to my land and to my relatives and take a wife for my son Yitzhak. And the servant said to him, What if the woman refuses to follow me to this land? Do I then take your son back to the land from which you came? And Abraham said to him, Beware lest you take my son back there. Yahweh Elohim of the heavens, who took me from my father's house, and from the land of my relatives, and who spoke to me and swore to me, saying, To your seed I give this land. He sends his messenger before you, and you shall take a wife for my son from there. And if the woman refuses to follow you, then you shall be released from this oath. Only do not take my son back there. Then the servant put his hand under the thigh of Abraham, his master, and swore to him concerning this matter. Then the servant took ten of his master's camels and left, for all his master's good gifts were in his hand. And he arose and went to Aram Naharim, Naharim, to the city of Nahor. And he made his camels kneel down outside the city by a fountain of water at evening time, the time when women go out to draw water. And he said, Yahuwah, Elohim of my master Abraham, please cause her to meet before me this day and show loving commitment to my master Abraham. See, I am standing here by the fountain of water and the daughters of the men of the city are coming out to draw water. Now let it be that the young woman whom I say, please lay down your jar to let me drink. And she says, Drink, and let me water your camels, too. Let her be the one whom you have appointed for your servant, Yitzhak. And let me know by this that you have shown loving commitment to my master. 
And it came to be, before he had ended speaking, that see, Ribka, Rebekah, who was born of Bethuel, son of Milpah, the wife of Nahor, Abraham's brother, came out with her jar on her shoulder. And the young woman was very good-looking, a maiden, no man having known her. And she went down to the fountain, filled her jar, and came up. And the servant ran to meet her, and said, Please let me drink a little water from your jar. And she said, Drink, my master. And she hurried and let her jar down to her hand, and gave him a drink. And when she had finished giving him a drink, she said, Let me draw water for your camels, too, until they have finished drinking. And she hurried and emptied her jar into the trough, ran back to the fountain to draw water, and drew for all his camels. And watching her, the man remained silent in order to know whether Yahuwah had prospered his way or not. And it came to be, when the camels had finished drinking, that the man took a golden nose ring, weighing half a shekel, and two bracelets for her wrists, weighing ten shekels of gold, and said, Whose daughter are you? Please inform me, is there room in your father's house for us to spend the night? And she said to him, I am the daughter of Bethuel, Milcah's son, whom she bore to Nahor. And she said to him, We have both straw and fodder enough, and room to spend the night. And the man bowed down his head and worshipped Yahuwah. And he said, Blessed be Yahuwah Elohim of my master Abraham, who has not forsaken his loving commitment and his truth toward my master. As for me, being on the way, Yahuwah led me to the house of my master's brothers. Then the young woman ran and informed those of her mother's house these matters. And Ribka had a brother whose name was Laban. And Laban ran out to the man to the fountain. And it came to be, when he saw the nose ring and the bracelets on his sister's wrists, and when he heard the words of his sister Ribka saying, Thus the man spoke to me, that he went to the man and saw him standing by the camels at the fountain. And he said, Come in, O blessed of Yahuwah, why do you stand outside? I myself have prepared the house and a place for the camels. So the man came into the house while, while he unloaded the camels and provided straw and fodder for the camels and water to wash his feet and the feet of the men who were with him and set food before him to eat. But he said, Let me not eat until I have spoken my word. And he said, Speak on. And he said, I am Abraham's servant, and Yahweh has blessed my master exceedingly. And he has become great, and he has given him flocks and herds and silver and gold and male and female servants and camels and donkeys. And Sarah, my master's wife, bore a son to the master or to my master when she was old. And he has given to him all that he has. And my master made me swear, saying, Do not take a wife for my son from the daughters of the Canaanites, in whose land I dwell, but go to my father's house and to my relatives, and take a wife for my son. And I said to my master, What if the woman does not follow me? But he said to me, Yahweh before whom I walk sends his messenger with you, and shall prosper your way, and you shall take a wife for my son, from my relatives, and from my father's house. Then, when you go to my relatives, you are to be released from his oath. And if they do not give her to you, then you are released from my oath. And this, this day I came to the fountain and said, Yahuwah, Elohim of my master Abraham, please, if you are prospering the way in which I am going, see, I am standing by the fountain of water. And when the young woman comes out to draw water, and I say to her, please give me a little water from your jar to drink. And she says to me, drink and let me draw water for your camels too. Let her be the woman 
whom Yahweh has appointed for my master's son. I had not yet ended speaking in my heart. Then see, Ribka was coming out with her jar on her shoulder, and she went down to the fountain and drew water. And I said to her, Please let me drink. And she hurried and let her jar down from her shoulder and said, Drink, and let me water your camels too. So I drank, and she watered the camels too. And I asked her and said, Whose daughter are you? And she said, The daughter of Bethuel, Nahor's son, who milk a bore to him. Then I put the nose ring on her nose and the bracelets on her wrists, and I bowed my head and worshipped Yahuwah and blessed, and blessed Yahuwah, Elohim of my master Abraham, who had let me in the true way, led me in the true way to take the daughter of my master's brother for his son. And now, if you are going to show loving commitment and truth to my master, let me know. And if not, let me know, so that I turn to the right or to the left. And Laban answered, Bethuel too, and said, the matter comes from Yahuwah. We are not able to speak to you either evil or good. See, Ribka is before you. Take her and go, and let her be your master's son's wife. And Yahuwah, as Yahuwah has spoken. And it came to be, when Abraham's servant heard their words, that he bowed himself toward the earth before Yahuwah. And the servant brought out ornaments of silver and ornaments of gold and garments and gave them to Ribka. He also gave costly gifts to her brother and to her mother. And he and the men who were with him ate and drank and spent the night. When they arose in the morning, he said, Let me go to my master. But her brother and mother and her mother said, Let the young woman stay with us a few days, at least ten, then you go. And he said to them, Do not delay me, since Yahweh has prospered my way. Let me go so that I go to my master. And they said, Let us call the young woman and ask her. So they called Ribka and said to her, Are you going with this man? And she said, I shall go. So they let Ribka, their sister, and her nurse, and Abraham's servant, and his men, and they blessed Ribka and said to, them, said to her, <clears throat> Let our sister become the mother of thousands, of ten thousands, and let your seed possess the gates of those who hate them. And Ribka and her young woman arose. And they rode on the camels and followed the man. So the servant took Ribka and left. And Yitzhak came from the way of Beor Lahai Roy, for he dwelt in the south. And Yitzhak went out to meditate in the field in the evening. And he lifted his eyes and looked and saw the camels coming. And Ribka lifted her eyes and went. And when she saw Yitzhak, she dismounted from her camel. And she said, she had said to the servant, who is this man walking in the field to meet us? And the servant said, It is my master. So she took a veil and covered herself. And the servant told Yitzhak all the matters he had done. And Yitzhak brought her into his mo mother Sarah's tent, and he took Ribka, and she became his wife, and he loved her. Thus Yitzhak was comforted after his mother's death. Okay, something I want to point out. Can you hear me? Yeah. So in 60, that's printing that says, And they blessed Rebecca and said to her, Thou art our sister, become thou thousands of myriads, and let thy seed possess the cities of their enemies. Let's talk about her seed, too. Ain't it? Yeah. 
Yeah, it says, let your seed possess the gates of those who hate them. I thought that was pretty interesting, you know, considering um, the birth of Yeshua, too. Considering the bloodline could come from the woman in the seed. With the virgin birth and everything. Just something that stood out to me. I didn't catch that last one I heard. No, I didn't either. Because a lot of people said there's, you know, there's people that will say that you got to have seed from a male or it has to come from the bloodline of the male or for the seed come down. But obviously it seems that the seed came down from the woman also. I don't know if that's right, but it's just something that stood out to me that could be. And in rabbinic Judaism, uh, if the mother is a Jew, then it doesn't matter what the father is. As long as as long as the mother is a Jew, then you know, if your mother's a Jew, you would be considered a Jew no matter what denomination you are. You could literally become an atheist and they would say that you're still a Jew just right. because of your mother's seed. Right. That's what I'm saying. So uh, that's pretty cool. Also, yeah. does anyone remember why Abraham, what the significance was for the thigh? I can't remember. I know we've talked about this before. Um, in verse 3, I believe it is, or 2. I can't remember where it was. Uh, yeah, the 2. Swearing in oath. Yeah. I can't remember what that meant by the thigh, why it was so significant at that time. That's a good question. That I don't know. I mean, it's a very intimate thing. I mean, a man puts his hand in a man's thigh. He's looking in his eyes like, you're going to do this, and you're going to swear by it. <laughs> and it has something to do with under him, you know, as far as rulership. But I can't remember what the significance of what it meant. So that up again. I was trying to find some of these commentaries over here, see if anybody was talking about it, but I can't find nothing. I haven't looked hard enough, but I'm gonna be very grateful when your internet gets fixed. <laughs> <clears throat> um I'm trying to see if I can find anything on it. Some of these commentaries. Uh, let's see. Let me go to the Kumash. Let's see what Yale and Kumash has to say. Anybody got anything else while I'm looking?
stop breaking up. A little bit. Uh, so Rashi, there's a commentary from Rashi that says, uh, one who takes an oath must place his hand on some sacred object, such as a Torah scroll or Teflon. Uh, because circumcision was the first precept given to Abraham, and because he fulfilled it through much pain, it was particularly precious to him. So Abraham asked Eliezer to take his oath upon it. That's interesting. That's all I got for it, though. That's all I got. <laughs> Anybody got anything else? <clears throat> and we shall continue. Chapter 25. <clears throat> and Abraham took another wife, <clears throat> whose name was Keturah. And she bore him Zimran, and Yokshan, and Medan, and Midian, and Yishbak, and Shuva. And Yokshan brought forth Sheba and Dedan. And the sons of Dedan were Asherim, or Asherim, yeah, Letushim, and Leumim. And the sons of Midian were Apha, and Aphor, and Chanok, and Abedah, and Eldah, Eldah, and all these were the children of Keturah. Now Abraham gave all that he had to Yitzhak, but to the sons of the concubines whom Abraham had, Abraham gave gifts while he was still living and sent them away from his son Yitzhak eastward to the land of the east. And these are all the years of Abraham's life which he lived, 175 years. And Abraham breathed his last and died in a good old age, aged and satisfied, and was gathered to his people. <coughs> he went to Sheol. Everybody go look at that or go listen to that uh, study. <laughs> and his son, sons Yitzhak and Yishmael, buried him in the cave of Machpelah, which is before Mamre, in the field of Ephron, son of Sohar, the Hittite, 
the field which Abraham purchased from the sons of Heth. There Abraham was buried with Sarah, his wife. And it came to be, after the death of Abraham, that Elohim blessed his son Yitzhak, and Yitzhak dwelt at Be'er Lahai Roi. And this is the genealogy of Yishmael, Abraham's son, whom Hagar the Mitzrite, Sarah's female servant, bore to Abraham. And these were the names of the sons of Yishmael, by their names according to their generations, the firstborn of Yishmael, Nebaioth, then Kedar, and Abdael, and Mibsam, and Mishma, and Duma, and Masa, Hadar, and Tema, Yatur, Nafish, and Kedamath. These were the sons of Ishmael, and these were their names, by their towns and their settlements, twelve chiefs according to their tribes. And these were the years of the life of Ishmael, one hundred and thirty-seven years. And he breathed his last and died, and was gathered to his people. And they dwelt from Havilah as far as Shur, which is east of Mitzrayim, as you go toward Ashur. <clears throat> he settled before all his brothers. And this is the genealogy of Yitzhak, Abraham's son. Abraham brought forth Yitzhak, and Yitzhak was forty years old when he took Ribka as wife, the daughter of Bethuel, the Armenian, Armian <clears throat> of Padan Aram the sister of Laban, the Armian. And Yitzhak prayed to Yahweh for his wife, because she was barren. And Yahweh answered his prayer, and Ribka, his wife, conceived. And within her, the child struggled together. <clears throat> and she said, If all is right, why am I this way? So she went to ask Yahweh. And Yahweh said to her, Two nations are in your womb, and two peoples shall be separated from your body. And one people shall be stronger than the other, and the older serve the younger. And when the days were filled for her to give birth, and see, twins were in her womb, and the first came out, red all over, like a hairy garment, so they called his name Esau. And afterward, his brother came out, with his hand holding on to Esau's heel, so his name was called Yehob. And Yitzhak was sixty years old when she bore them. And the boys grew up, and Esau became a man knowing how to hunt, and a man of the field, while Yehob was a complete man dwelling in tents. And Yitzhak loved Esau because he ate of his wild game, but Ribkah loved Yehob. And Yehob cooked a stew, and Esau came in from the field, and he was weary. And Esau said to Jacob, or Yehob, Please feed me with the same red stew, for I am weary. This is why his name is called Edom. And Yehob said, Sell me your birthright today. And Esau said, Look, I am going to die, so why should I have a birthright? Then Yehob said, Swear to me today. And he swore to him, and sold his birthright to Jacob. Jacob then gave Esau bread and stew of lentils, and he ate and drank, and rose up and left. Thus Esau despised his birthright. Lentil soup, man. I was going to sell my birthright. It'd at least have to be some steak. <laughs> what are the two nations? Uh, Israel and Edomites. Yep. <clears throat> and Job wasn't Edom. Yes. Well, Job, correct, came, Job came from Esau. You are correct, sir. 
Job is a Gentile. You are correct, sir. Uh, <laughs> Abraham was a Gentile too. Yeah. Came from the nations. The Book of Jubilees puts it as when he got to be a certain age. No, I can't remember how old he was. I think it was like fourteen. Questioned his father and said, "Why, why are we serving these false gods?" <laughs> yeah. What about what about the same Elohim that you know, led Noah and his family on the ark? And he said, "You are correct, my son." Said, but if I change and serve serve that Elohim, they will surely kill me in this place. And so he blessed him on his departure and sent him on his way. Huh. You knew that, right? What's that? You knew that, right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I was just it's drawn up question. Yeah. Well, the, when you said hmm, at the end of it, I was like, you knew that. Oh, right? no, no. <laughs> no. I, was, I was looking at something. Oh, All I right. got you. You're doing what I do then. Yeah. <laughs> Multitasking. Trying to. But... Yeah. Um,. Found a little bit on the uh, uh, thigh or leg deal. What is it? Yeah, making a promise or an oath. Oh, the thigh. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's definitely assumed that it's a euphemism for or a phrase for basically. Yeah, touch the manly bits. Yeah, or at least, you know, reference to them, right? To yeah. promise on, on their seed, right? Yeah. Uh, Catholics take it a little bit further than that because of the whole Roman tradition, I guess. Because apparently it was a Roman thing to have a man swear an oath with his self exposed. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, no joke. Um, okay. That was, you know, swearing on his future children, right? Yeah. I don't know if that means if he broke his promise, they would take it from him, but uh, I think that's the kind of idea here is like, because he's promising about, you know, don't allow my son to marry a girl from Canaan and this and that, right? So uh, apparently Joseph does this later too. Yeah, and uh, the end of Genesis. Yeah. Yeah, same thing. Under hand under my leg or thigh. Thigh. Yeah. So, yeah, so I've got leg, thigh, loins. <laughs> yeah, when I die. Don't bury me. So basically, you know, make a promise uh, to my children, right? That you won't, you know, leave me buried here. 
Right. So I think that's the general idea. <clears throat> I mean, that's one way to go about it. <laughs> I'm not. I'd be lying if I said that I was fond of making an oath that way. <laughs> we just, you just shake my hand. I'll call it good. <laughs> Anybody else? Uh, I don't think my internet's good enough to really talk. You sound fine right now. Yeah, we can hear you. Interesting. I thought it was like earlier, just faded in and out. You're good right now, though. My kids are back, guys. So I'll be able to talk more in a second. Fancy. I'm trying to find an online Jubilees deal. Because uh, I think we'll read Jubilees first, just because it goes with this. And it's pretty short. And then we'll get on to the half tour. After uh, Micah says what he's got to say. Oh, I'm good, guys. Go ahead and move on. Anybody else? All right. <clears throat> so, Jubilees, Chapter 19. One through nine. And in the first year of the first week in the 42nd Jubilee, Abraham returned and dwelt opposite Chevron. I think that's supposed to be Hebrew. That is Kiriath Arba, two weeks of years. In the first year of the third week of this jubilee, the days of the life of Sarah were accomplished, and she died in Hebron. And Abraham went to mourn over her and bury her. And we tried him to see if his ruach were patient, and he were not indignant in the words of his mouth. And he was found patient in this and was not disturbed. For in patience of the ruach, for patience of spirit, he conversed with the children of Heth to the intent that they should give him a place in which to bury his dead. 
And Yahweh gave him grace before all who saw him, and he besought in gentleness the sons of Heth. And they gave him the land of the double cave over against Mamre, that is, Hebron, for four hundred pieces of silver. And they besought him, saying, We shall give it to you for nothing. But he would not take it from their hands for nothing, for he gave the price of the, of the place, the money in full, and he bowed down before them twice. And after this, he buried his dead in the double cave. And all the days of the life of Sarah were 127 years, that is, two jubilees and four weeks, and one year. These are the days of the years of the life of Sarah. This is the tenth trial wherewith Abraham was tried, and he was found faithful, patient in the spirit. And he said not a single word regarding the rumor in the land how that Elohim had said that he would give to him or give it to him and to his seed after him. And he begged a place there to bury his dead, for he was found faithful and was recorded on the heavenly tablets as a friend of Elohim. Nice. A friend of Elohim. I like that. And then chapter 24, 1 to 15. <clears throat> I think that has. Go ahead. Oh, sorry. <laughs> I think I think that has a lot to show. Um, so he was a friend with Elohim, right? I think this goes mm -hmm. to show that there's more to Abraham than we're being given. And you know, the apocalypse of Abraham definitely seems like it has a lot to show because without, I mean, if he was a friend of Abraham, I mean, a friend of Elohim, obviously. He was given a lot of information, you know, showing a lot of things. And we've seen conversations that they had back and forth where the father really listened to what he had to say. So I definitely could see these extra books with the apocalypse of Abraham too, really being true. I see that. I definitely see that. Would you say you're going to read uh, 24? Yeah. yeah. <clears throat> and it came to pass after the death of Abraham that Yahweh blessed Yitzhak, his son. And he arose from Hebron and went and dwelt at the well of the vision in the first year of the third week of this jubilee, or jubilee seven years. And in the first year of the fourth week, a famine began in the land, besides the first famine, which had been in the days of Abraham. And Jacob sawed lentil pottage, and Esau came from the field hungry. And he said to Jacob, his brother, Give me of this red pottage. And Jacob said to him, Sell me your birthright, and I will give you bread, and also some of this lentil pottage. And Esau said in his heart, I shall die. Of what profit is of what profit to me is this birthright? And he said to Jacob, I give it to you. And Jacob said, Swear to me this day. Yeah. Swear to me this day. And he swore unto him. And Jacob gave his brother Esau bread and pottage, and he ate till he was satisfied. And Esau despised his birthright. For this reason was Esau's name called Edom, on account of the red pottage which Jacob gave him for his birthright. And Jacob became the elder 
and Esau was brought down from his dignity. And the famine was over the land, and Yitzhak departed to go down into Mitzrayim in the second year of this week, and went to the king of the Pelishitim, to Gerar, unto Abimelech. And Yahweh appeared unto him, and said unto him, Go not down into Mitzrayim, dwell in the land that I shall tell you of, and sojourn in this land, and I will be with you and bless you. For to you and to your seed will I give all this land, and I will establish my oath which I swore unto Abraham your father, and I will multiply your seed as the stars of the heaven, and will give unto your seed all this land. And in your seed shall all the nations of the earth be blessed, because your father obeyed my voice, and kept my charge, and my commandments, and my Torah and my ordinances, and my covenant, and now obey my voice, and dwell in this land. And he dwelt in Gerar three weeks of years. And Abimelech charged concerning him, and concerning all that was his, saying, Any man that shall touch him, or anything that is his, shall surely die. And Yitzhak waxed strong among the Pelishitim, <laughs> and he got many possessions, oxen, and sheep, and camels, and asses, and a great household. And he sowed in the land of Helishetim, and brought in a hundredfold. And Yitzhak became exceedingly great, and Helishetim envied him. That's a goofy word. <laughs> and that was Jubilee's uh, expounditure on uh, the Genesis account. And then we have great book I love Jubilee's book I really do first games oh one can I ask a question yeah can you give me a little background about the book of Jubilees would that be okay or no so, yeah, I mean, I can. Uh, they call it Little Genesis because it basically, uh, the perspective is from the messengers who were ministering to Abraham. And that's why when you read the book, like, it'll oftentimes, after it's a recounting a story, um, it'll say, and do you, Moses, keep this charge, or et cetera, et cetera. Um, it's basically an account from literally the beginning all the way up until uh, the time when Moses was on Mount Sinai being ministered to. So that's basically a summary of the book. It's just, it gives a little bit more details. And as it's called Jubilees, it recounts from the years of the Jubilee year. All right, one other question quick. Do you know why it wasn't put in the Bible that we read today? Mm -hmm. Well, yeah, it gives a lot of backstory on things that were missing. Um, it explains a lot of things in detail. It also shows um the bloodlines so there's in genesis things genesis 11 12 if you go to the masoretic is what you have right now 
like your original King James, all these Bibles we have an NSAB. All the Bibles we're reading out right now, they're they're Masoretic versions. Um, but the Septuagint it has in Genesis eleven twelve, they're missing literally a name in the bloodline, you know, from a fact that I think Canaan and Shayla. They're actually missing names in there, right? They're missing one name, I believe it was Canaan. Um, but we go to the New Testament in Luke 3.36, I believe it's 35.36. It shows these names, right? It shows Faxad, Cain, Shayla. Can't remember which order it was. But in Jubilees, it also confirms this to be the same thing. I think that if they kept a lot of these extra books in the Bible, it would disprove the Masoretic, how they have tampered with parts of the Bible. Um, and it also shows more on the calendars it shows more on how things work on the spiritual aspect and also in the heavenly aspect so i think that's why all these books were removed because it was so much information and then you have these books put together like kabbalah um the talmud writings where it has these mystic ideas in it Instead of having the mystic side from the actual books of the Bible, you get your mystic side from a man's perspective, if that makes any sense. Also, you have to look at the reason why we have specific setups of the Bible that we have. And we have 66, what, can you all hear me? Yeah. All right, mm -hmm. so we have 66 books. My wife gave me a funny look like she couldn't hear me. Uh, we have 66 books in our traditional canon, right? <clears throat> that is literally due to some men who took it upon themselves to gather together a council of other men and decide what is and is not going to be bound together in what we know as the Bible. And there was a lot of books that are in our, our 66 that barely made the cut. They, they didn't want to put James in there. Uh, they didn't want to put, um, I think some people didn't want to put Paul in there. Uh, even Revelation barely made the cut. Mm -hmm. right. So these are books again, that we, yeah, go ahead. Sorry, let me cut you off, Dustin, go ahead. No, you're good, go ahead. Once again, Hebrews, Revelation, they have more of a mystic side to them too. Um, things in the heavenly realms that people can't really understand. Understand, so we try to remove a lot of things that <clears throat> I think that would. They were trying to push their doctrines, and so what they did is they made this canon. There is a lot more books in the sixty-six canon, a lot more books, and, and even in America, I think we're one of the only countries that really have like a, just a sixty-six canon. Most countries have way. Their can's way different than ours. I think Ethiopian Bibles have 80 books in them. And they've like been consistently, yeah, 80, 84, something like that. And it's been consistent for years. And they have things like Jubilees and Enoch in their Bible. So that's another I want to also read Jubilees oh. um, gives a testament of Enoch as well. <laughs> Go ahead, Micah. And before, before y'all continue on this, I just want to point out something concerning Esau, right? When he was selling his birthright. Proverbs 30, 22. A servant when he becomes king and a fool when he is stuffed with food. 
Thanks. I'm eating right now. Appreciate that. <laughs> <laughs> That's hilarious. That's hilarious. Forget so, about Joe, it. Like, Sorry, Joe. Yeah, he's like, he's like, great, man. I go down here. I give my food to someone. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, dude. I just ate too. Yeah, but it, as I'm taking bites. <laughs> no, I didn't eat chicken salad and some soup. Uh, no pork, no shellfish. I hope not. It's not good for you. Nah, I don't eat that. We don't. We don't eat that. My wife is big on that. In Puerto Rico, they call panin. You know, mm -hmm. they 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 love cooking that whole thing on the thing. I'm like, no, thank you. But I, you know, I used to when I was young, I used to eat ham, ham and Swiss. Mm -hmm. Pork chops, hot dogs. Wow! No, we don't mess. Wow. We don't mess with that. Like we I get see pork about three and a half years ago. So yeah, we get That's, turkey uh... bacon. If we never buy hot dogs, if we were gonna, it would either be uh, beef or chicken or turkey or whatever. All right, I'm sure that's nasty. The chicken ones, because a lot of times they use pork casing and chicken stuff. Yeah, it always says with rib meat. Everything comes with rib meat. So that's probably pork, right? No, if it says chicken and it says rib meat, then it'd be chicken rib meat. But what I'm saying is the casing of the, like the bratwurst and hot dogs that they have for chicken, it's usually pork for some reason. Because mm -hmm. <clears throat> there's been many times where I've seen some delicious looking chicken bratwurst and they ruin it with pork casing. Yeah, that's just not right. No, absolutely not right. <laughs> All right. We're going to go to... First Kings 1. Have fun reading that. <laughs> that's right. Trust I me, I, was, I read all this last night in our study group. <laughs> I was um, going to designate you to read it. <laughs> nah, you're good. That's all right. I'm going to change translations for my brain's sake. I'm going to get the HCSP. <laughs> all right, first Kings 1. All right. Now, King David was old and getting on in years. Although they covered him with bedcloths, he could not get warm. So his servants said to him, Let us search for a young virgin for my lord, the king. She is to attend the king and to be his caregiver. She is to lie by your side so that my lord, the king, will get warm. They searched for a beautiful girl throughout the territory of Israel. They found... Abishag, the Shunammite one, and brought her to the king. The girl was un of unsurpassed beauty, and she became the king's caregiver. She served him, but he was not intimate with her. Adonijah, son of Haggith, kept exalting himself, saying, I will be king. He prepared chariots, cavalry, and fifty men to run ahead of him. But his father had never once reprimanded him by saying, Why do you act this way? In addition, he was quite handsome and was born after Absalom. He conspired with Joab, son of Zeruiah, 
and with Abiathar, or Abiathar, the priest, yeah, they supported Adonijah, but the but Zadok the priest, Benai son of Yahweh, Nathan the prophet, Shemai, Ray, and David's warriors did not side with Adon. Adonijah. Adonijah sacrificed sheep, oxen, and fattened cattle near the stone of Zoheleth, which is next to Enrogel. He invited all his brothers and all the men of Judah, the servants of the king, but he did not invite Nathan the prophet, Benaiah, the warriors, or his brother Solomon. Then Nathan said to Bathsheba, Solomon's mother, Have you not heard that Adonijah, son of Haggith, has become king, and our Lord David does not know it? Now please come and let me advise you. Save your life and the life of your son Solomon. Go approach King David and say to him, My lord the king, did you not swear to your servant, your son Solomon is to become king after me? And he is the one who is to sit on my throne? So why has Adonijah become king? At that moment, while you are still here, there speaking with the king, I'll come in after you and confirm your words. So Bathsheba went to the king in his bedroom. Since the king was very old, Abishag the Shunammite was serving him. Bathsheba bowed down and paid homage to the king. And he asked, what do you want? <laughs> she replied, my lord, you swore to your servant by the Lord your God. Your son Solomon is to become king after me, and he is the one who is to sit on my throne. Now look, Adonijah has become king, and my lord, the king, you didn't know it. He has lavishly sacrificed oxen, fattened cattle, and sheep. He invited all the king's sons, Abiathar, the priest, and Joab, the commander of the army. But he did not invite your servant Solomon. Now, my lord, the king, the eyes of all Israel are on you to tell them who will sit on the throne of my lord the king after him. Otherwise, when my lord the king rests with his fathers, I and my son Solomon will be regarded as criminals. At that moment, while she was still speaking with the king, Nathan the prophet arrived, and it was announced to the king, Nathan the prophet is here. He came into the king's presence and bowed to him with his face to the ground. My lord the king, Nathan said, did you say Adonijah is to become king after me? And he is the one, or he is the one who is to sit on my throne? For today he went down and lavishly sacrificed oxen, fattened cattle, and sheep. He invited all the sons of the king, the commanders of the army, and Abiathar, the priest. And look, they're eating and drinking in his presence, and they're saying, Long live King Adonijah. But he did not invite me, your servant, or Zadok, the priest, or Beniah, son of Jehoiada, or your servant Solomon. I am certain my lord the king would not have let this happen without letting your servant know who will sit on my lord the king's throne after him? King David responded by saying, Call in Bathsheba for me. So she came into the king's presence and stood before him. The king swore an oath and said, As the Lord lives, who has redeemed my life from every, diff every difficulty, just as I swore to you by the Lord God of Israel, your son Solomon is to become king after me, and he is the one who is to sit on my throne in my place. That is exactly what I will do this very day. Bathsheba bowed with her face to the ground, paying homage to the king, and said, May my lord King David live forever. Amen.
that's probably my second favorite translation, by the way. I like the HCSB. It's hard to find a paper copy of it, but good book. I like it. Questions, comments, concerns? Anybody at all? <laughs> Can you elaborate on that chapter? I'm sorry, this food, this food was eaten. I'm sorry. Basically, um, a couple of David's sons were fighting over, well, actually not even fighting. Uh, his one son was trying to take the throne because David was pretty much on his deathbed and... Uh, he had already swore to Solomon that he would be king after him. And so this was basically a, you know, out of the mouth of two or three witnesses, there's two witnesses right there. You have Bathsheba and you have uh, Nathan the priest. Mm -hmm. Both of them bore witness, or Nathan the prophet, my bad. Both of them bore witness of David saying that Solomon will be king. <clears throat> and then it goes on after this to talk about the difficulties that that ensued. Good book. Kings is definitely a good book. I always recommend people read that because you get to see a lineage of what happens when Israel and, and Judah, because eventually they split uh, what happens when they have a righteous king and an unrighteous king. And it's always interesting. I like how it starts in Kings. It says, and King David, sovereign David, and this whole book from first Kings to second Kings, every time there is a righteous man that sits on the throne, he's always compared to David. Every time. That's basically a summary. <clears throat> and then next we have Obadiah. <clears throat> it says the vision of Obadiah this is what the master Yahweh said concerning Edom we have heard a report from Yahuwah, and a messenger has been sent among the nations, saying, Arise, and let us rise up against her for battle. See, I have made you small among the nations. You are greatly despised. The pride of your heart has deceived you. You who dwell in the clefts of the rock, 
whose dwelling is high, who say in your heart, who shall bring me down to the ground? Though you rise high as the eagle, and though you set your nest among the stars, from there I shall bring you down, declares Yahweh. If thieves came to you, if robbers by night, how ruined you would have been. Would they not steal till they had enough? If grape gatherers had come to you, would they not leave gleanings? How Esau shall be searched out, his hidden treasures shall be sought out. All your allies shall send you forth to the border. Your friends shall deceive you and overpower you. They make your bread a snare under you, without you discerning it. In that day, declares Yahuwah, I shall destroy the wise men from Edom, and discernment from the mountains of Esau, and your mighty men shall be discouraged. O Taman, so that everyone from the mountains of Esau is cut off by killing. Because of your violence against your brother Jacob, let shame cover you, and you shall be cut off forever. In that day that you stood on the other side, and the day that strangers took captive his wealth, when foreigners entered in, or entered his gates and cast lots for Jerusalem, you also were like one of them. And you should not have looked on your brother's day in the day of his estrangement, nor rejoiced over the children of Judah in the day of their destruction, nor made your mouth great in the day of distress, <clears throat> nor have entered the gate of my people in the day of their calamity nor look down on their evil in the day of their calamity, nor have seized their wealth in the day of their calamity, nor have stood at the parting of the way to cut off his fugitives, nor handed over his survivors in the day of distress. For the day of Yahuwah is near upon all the nations. As you have done, it shall be done to you. Your reward shall come back on your own head. For as you have drunk on my set-apart mountain, so do all the nations drink continually, and they shall drink and shall swallow and they shall be as though they had never been. But on Mount Sion there shall be an escape, and they shall be set apart. And the house of Jacob shall possess their possessions, and the house of Jacob shall be a fire, and the house of Joseph a flame, and the house of Esau for stubble. And they shall burn among them, and they shall consume them, so that no survivor is left of the house of Esau. For Yahweh has spoken, and they shall possess the south with the mountains of Esau, and low country with the Philistines, and they shall possess the fields of Ephraim, and the fields of Shomeron, and Benjamin, and, and Gilead. And the exiles of this host of the children of Israel possess that of the Canaanites as far as Seraphath, <laughs> and the exiles of Jerusalem who are in Sepharad possess the cities of the south. And Savior shall come to Mount Sion to judge the mountains of Esau, and the rain shall belong to Yahuwah. I didn't realize how much Obadiah had in it there. Continuing on. 
to Ezekiel 35. It's 5 through 15. <clears throat> because you have had a continuous enmity and handed the children of Israel over to the power of the sword at the time of their calamity, at the time of the crookedness of the end. Therefore, as I live, declares the Master Yahuwah, I shall appoint you for blood and let blood pursue you. Since you did not hate blood, therefore blood shall pursue you. And I shall make Mount Sayer a ruin and a waste and cut off from it the one who leaves and the one who returns and shall fill its mountains with the slain, those slain by the sword falling on your hills and in your valleys and in all your ravines. I shall make you an everlasting ruin and your cities uninhabited, and you shall know that I am Yahuwah. Because you have said, These two nations and these two lands are mine, and we shall possess them, although Yahuwah was there. Therefore, as I live, declares the Master Yahuwah, I shall do according to your displeasure and according to your envy, which you showed in your hatred against them. And I shall make myself known among them when I judge you, and you shall know that I am Yahuwah. I have heard all your scorns, which you have spoken against the mountains of Israel, saying, They are laid waste. They were given to us for food. And with your mouth you have boasted against me and increased your words against me. I myself have heard. Thus said the Master Yahuwah, As all the earth is rejoicing, I shall make you a ruin. As you rejoice because the inheritance of the house of Israel was laid waste, so I do to you. Be a ruin, O Mount Seir, as well as all of Edom, all of it, and they shall know that I am Yahweh. Sounds like he means business. We go to John chapter four. <clears throat> My dad said he had to jump out of there, Dustin. Yeah, I just, yeah. I, I just looked, I looked down, see so he was gone. Go ahead. Yeah, he messed his leg up pretty bad. He's hurting. He said he had to jump out there and go do something about it. Well, I hope he's all right. Hit his leg pretty bad. They haven't spilled in his deck. John chapter 4, 3 through 14. It says, He left Judah and went away again to Galil. This is Yeshua. And he had to pass through Shomeron, Samaria. So he came to a, to a city of Shomeron called Shechem, near the place of the land Jacob gave to his son Joseph. And Jacob's fountain was there. So Yeshua, being wearied from the journey, was sitting thus at the fountain. 
and it was about the sixth hour. A woman of Shomeron came to draw water. Yeshua said to her, Give me to drink, for his taught ones had gone off into the city to buy food. The woman of Shomeron therefore said to him, How is it that you, being a Yehudi, ask a drink from me, a woman of Shomeron? For Yehudim do not associate with Shomeronim. Yeshua answered and said to her, If you knew the gift of Elohim, and who it is who says to you, Give me to drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. Then the woman said to him, Master, you have no vessel, and the well is deep. From where then do you have living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob, who gave us this well, and drank from it himself and his sons and his cattle? Yeshua answered and said to her, Everyone drinking of this water shall thirst again, but whoever drinks of the water I give him shall certainly never thirst. And the water that I give him shall become in him a fountain of water springing up into everlasting life. What do we think that water is? Eternal life. I think in this this parable, the water is synonymous with the spirit. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because it never thirsts again. Sure. Yes, sir. We have two more passages. <clears throat> Hebrews chapter two. <clears throat> for it was fitting for him, because of whom all are, and through whom all are, and bringing many sons to esteem, to make the prince of their deliverance perfect through sufferings. For both he who sets apart and those who are being set apart are all of one, for which reason he is not ashamed to call them brothers, saying, I shall announce your name to my brothers. In the midst of the congregation I shall sing praise to you. <clears throat> and again, I shall put my trust in him. And again, see I and the children whom Elohim gave me. Therefore, since the children share in flesh and blood, he himself similarly shared in the same so that by means of his death he might destroy him, having the power of death, that is, the devil, and deliver those who throughout life were held in slavery by fear of death. For doubtless he does not take hold of messengers, but he does not, or he does take hold of the seed of Abraham. So in every way he had made to, he had to be made like his brothers in order to become a compassionate and trustworthy high priest in matters relating related to Elohim to make atonement for the sins of the people. For in what he had suffered, himself being tried, he is able to help those who are tried. Amen. What was that that you read from? Hebrews 2. I don't know. It didn't go along with mine. That was weird. Start, well, I was starting in uh, verse 10. Ah. Uh. That makes sense. 
There you go. <laughs> I'm, I was uh, trying to go along from verse one, and I'm reading out of the book of Yahweh. So, it's because Dustin forgot to mention the verse. I mean, yeah, the verse. You're slacking. You're slacking. Chapter and verse, or not just chapter. Right. Get it right. Right. <laughs> okay. Well, the next passage. Oh, Watch your tone. Watch your tone, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just messing. I'm sorry. Talking me on the wrong tone right now. Uh, we should be holy. I'm sorry. <laughs> Let me relax. I'm sorry. Go ahead. <laughs> All right. Galatians 4, 21 through 31. Say to me, you who wish to be under Torah, do you not hear the Torah? For it has been written that Abraham had two sons, one by a female servant, the other by a free woman. But he who was of the female servant was born according to the flesh, and he of the free woman through promise. This is allegorical, for these are the two covenants, one indeed from Mount Sinai, which brings forth slavery, which is Hagar. For this Hagar is Mount Sinai and Arabia, and corresponds to Jerusalem, which now is, and is in slavery with her children. But the Yerushalayim above is free, which is the mother of us all. <clears throat> the Jerusalem above is free, which is the mother of us all. For it has been written, Rejoice, O barren, you who do not bear, break forth and shout, you who do not have birth pains. For the deserted one has many more children than she who has a husband. And we, brothers, as Yitzhak was, are children of promise, children of promise. But as he who was born according to the flesh then persecuted him, According to the spirit, so also now. But what does the scripture say? Cast out the female servant and her son, for the son of the female servant shall by no means be heir with the son of the free woman. Therefore, brothers, we are not children of the female servant, but of the free woman. And that's the end of the Torah portion. And again, that was Galatians what? 4, 21 to 31. For what? 21 through 31. All right. Thank you, sir. Yep. There's a there's a fancy little picture in the in the chat there that has all of this <laughs> listed on it. I don't like your phone. All right, buddy. <laughs> Freaking wise guy over here. Don't make me come over there. <laughs> oh man. Yes, I know. I, I did not look at it. But Dustin tells us right here, tell me, those of you who want to be under the law, don't you hear the law? For it is written, Abraham had two sons, one the slave and one the other the free woman. We're not under the law no more. <clears throat> I want to read something to <laughs> go along with this. Because Ken wrote something about this, and I shared it earlier. So you wait, so you said Galatians 4 21 through 31? Mm -hmm. Yes, sir. Oh wow, this Bible only goes up to 29, verse 29. That's strange. It is Galatians, Galatians 4 only goes up to 29. And this is the book of Yahweh. Yeah, I don't know what that is. That's 
every translation out there has a a thirty one that I've seen. Maybe the complete Jewish study Bible might not. Sometimes that's off a little bit. Look at that. That's weird. Wait a second. Wait a second. Yeah, four twenty-one to thirty. Why is mine? Now that you say something, mine's not showing twenty-one to thirty-one. Oh, it is. Uh, it is. It's just not loading. Mine's being stupid. Pay no mind to me. Oh, yeah, you're cheating, bro. You're using the electronic Bible. That's not. Nah, oh. I was reading from a paper Bible, but I pulled <laughs> up my app because I'm holding my phone because I was about to read this from Ken. <laughs> I'm just messing with you. I like the way that he summarized this. So it says, <clears throat> to be under the law means to be gripped by its curse, which is death by destruction of body and soul via the lake of fire. You can only understand that phrase by knowing the overarching context of scripture. When we walk in the spirit, the, sp the spirit leads us to doing spiritual things like keeping the spiritual law, which embody the commandments of God as given to Moses. Moses was given the commandments. He didn't make them up himself. If you want to be technical by rejecting the law of Moses, you are rejecting the law of Levi, the law of Jacob, the law of Isaac, the law of Abraham, the law of Shem, the law of Noah, the law of Enoch, and the law of Adam. They all kept God's law. Calling it the law of Christ doesn't mean the law of God somehow changed. It means that the authority figure that Yahweh chose to reveal his law through will have their name attached to it because of the authority he gave to them for teaching purposes. I liked that, so I figured I'd share it. So why does it say those who are under law are cursed? So because because when you are under the law, when you are under the law, you are being cursed. Because to be under the law means to be judged by the law. <clears throat> if you and this this means that you're not doing it, okay? This means that you have transgressed a matter regarding the law. So take for example if you uh i'll give an analogy for you <laughs> so let's say that you go to a bar okay and you get plastered drunk and instead of calling an uber or taxi or something you decide well you know my house is not too far away i'll just drive home and you get in that car and you start driving okay and you get into an accident and severely injure uh, the driver of the other vehicle okay you get a court date. You get thrown into jail or under the law. <laughs> you get thrown into jail and you have a court date and you appear before the judge. And that judge says, you have two options. You can serve 10 years in prison or you can pay fines of a million dollars. Okay. <clears throat> These are the two options for penalty of that law. And you say... You know, Your Honor, I have a uh, wife and kids that I have to, you know, provide for, so I can't take the, the 10 years in prison, but I also don't have a million dollars. You know, I'm really sorry about what I did. I, I had no intentions of harming anybody. But the judge says, it doesn't matter. And you say, <laughs> well, I'll serve, uh, you know, X amount of time of community service. And the judge says, that's not going to help the man that's that's injured. And you're still pleading with this judge because you are under the law. And a man in the back 
stands up and says, Your Honor, I see that this man is absolutely grievous. And I submit that if he uh, is turned loose right now, that he will follow the whole law as he should have been doing to begin with uh, perfectly, or at least to the best of his ability. And he says, I will pay that million dollars because I have faith that this man's going to follow the law. And he pays that price. This is what Yeshua did, essentially. Okay. And so for us to, you know, walk away from that, that judgment, if you will, and not follow the law is pretty much a smack in the face of Yeshua. Because he had that faith. He, he made that atoning for us in hopes, in faith, that we would in turn repay him by following the law as best as we can. So to be under the law is essentially just your judgment for not doing the law. So all these people that claim, you know, well, I don't want to be under the law, and they go on about doing things that are contrary to the law they will be under the law, whether they know it or not. And this is why it's so scary when you see people saying these things. And this is why I have, you know, it just, it drives me to, you know, want to tell them even more the so, like, hey, man, you need to be doing these things, you know, especially the people I see that have a heart for the Father, but are being deceived by these pastors and ministers who have failed to uphold their end of teaching the law 